All right, guys, welcome to Faith, Love, and Obedience. I would say the goal with this lesson uh, is to show the interconnectedness of these three things, faith, love, obedience. Uh, and for a disciple, uh, probably no-brainer here, these things should all come together, right? We show God, as we'll see, uh, how we love Him through obedience and through loving one another. Everything's interconnected, not by just kind of being good people or doing the right thing. We, we obey Him. We show active faith. And the fruit of that faith is loving like him. It's all interconnected. Um, a, a question you might ask starting things off to get them thinking is, why are these things in the same lesson? What do they have in common? Uh, before I kind of jump in, I usually like to start and define my terms. And so maybe even ask a question for each of these if you have time. So again, I like to start off with what is faith? What do we mean by the word faith? How would you define faith? You can word it however you want. Uh, but what we want to get to, and, and I would also share yourself, um, is the type of faith scripture is talking about is active, right? I believe that recycling is good, um, but if it doesn't actually change the way that I live, the, the way that the Bible defines faith, I, it would say I don't have faith in recycling. I don't really believe in recycling if it doesn't alter my lifestyle, right? On the flip side, you know, I I really do have faith in my parents because, uh, and some of you who had good parents have experienced this, right? Every single day when I came home from school, there was food upon the tape table. Uh, I never doubted that they would provide for me or not, right? And that's because... That faith was born out of a relationship. You know, at, at this point uh, in my life, if my parents tell me now that I don't live with them anymore, come over, we're having dinner. I go over there and I expect dinner, right? Because again, <laughs> they have shown through this relationship with them that they are trustworthy, that they don't just randomly lie, right? It would be very strange for me to be like, are you, are you sure? Are we really doing dinner tonight, right? Because every single time uh, they've invited me over, they've, they've been there, they've provided for me. Next, I would go to the next thing. What is love? How would you define love? Well, I would say here, especially <clears throat> in Scripture and in light of Jesus, love is not just a flippant emotion. Here today, gone tomorrow. I don't quite feel like loving you today. Love is a decision, the way that these verses and the way that Scripture paints it, right? To stick by someone, to serve someone. Love is costly. Um... If you think about the love of Jesus, it wasn't very romantic. Jesus wasn't infatuated with his disciples. <laughs> no, in fact, they often failed him again and again and again. They, they had lots of shortcomings, and yet he still loved them. You know, in the Old Testament, right, God paints himself as... Um, the uh, as the husband that constantly is having to purchase back his people who are prostituting themselves. They're following other gods, following other ways, and he's constantly ha having to go and seek them out, right? But he loves them so much so that he is going to do that. 
It's this kind of love that we're talking about that caused Christians in the ancient world to go into plagued cities to take care of people when everyone else was fleeing, right? That is our heritage. That's our background. And that's the depth of this kind of love that we're talking about. It's not flippant. It's not... Uh, we don't love people or love Jesus in the same way that we love ice cream, right? It's it's something different. <clears throat> Lastly, what is obedience? How would you define obedience? What does it mean to be obedient? What, what would this look like? Well, obedience, again, it's active. It does something. It doesn't just say that it will. Um, you know, my, my daughter right now is a toddler, but when she gets older, you know, imagine me asking her to clean her room, right? Uh, and she says, yeah, dad, I, I got you. And then a few hours later, I come back and it's like, so did you, did you clean your room? And she's like, well, you know, we, we had a great prayer meeting about it. I invited all my friends over and we, we talked about, uh, you know, the Greek word, what it would mean to clean. And, and we got really deep in all to these things and the minutiae and we prayed about it and we worshiped about it. But at the end of the day, <laughs> I asked her to clean her room, right? Obedience means actually following through, actually being obedient, right? And, and I think for some of us <clears throat> who've been Christians our whole lives, we're very comfortable walking the walk and doing the talk, but not actually letting it change us from the inside out. And I don't think that God's interested in doing this Christian, Christian pantomime thing, this little song and dance. That's not what he's interested in. He's, he's interested at the heart level. So keep that in mind as we jump into these passages. So the first one is Hebrews 11, and it's verses 1 and verses 6. You're welcome to do the verses in between, uh, but this is just for uh, sake of brevity. We've just chosen to do these two. Uh, now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And then verse six, and without faith, faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So I would start as I like to start with a lot of these, what stands out? Um, you know, I, I think it is good to ask a general question of what do you think of this passage? What stands out? Because um, sometimes, again, the Holy Spirit is going to move, right? You may be reading something and the Holy Spirit may say something more clever than you had planned through this person. That's great. We want to leave room for that. Um, but yeah, what stands out? What do we learn about faith here would be a good question. How can we, we be sure and certain of anything? Uh, I think for most of us, we become sure and certain, right, when we see evidence. Uh, we live by faith every day. Uh, a question um, I, I sometimes ask, didn't come up with this, um, but, it, you know, it's just like, what does it mean to have faith? Like, ha have you been to a doctor lately? When was the last time that you confirmed that the doctor that you went to actually has a medical degree? Right. Or or think about the chair that you're sitting on, if you happen to be sitting right now. Did you check it before you sat down? Did you investigate it? Did you pick it up, turn it over and make sure that it actually has integrity to hold your weight? Most of us don't do these things, right? Because we live by faith. 
Um, and, and at a certain point, kind of radical cynicism would make us a little bit crazy, right? We go through faith. We trust people. Um, you know, we trust that we go to the doctor because we're putting our faith in this institution of a medical license and whatnot. Um, yeah, we trust in chairs because most of the time when we sat down on chairs, they have held our weight. They've done a good job, right? We believe because time and time again, history has shown us that we can put our faith in these things, right? And again, this, that's what this passage is about. It's about relationship. If you scan the rest of the chapter, uh, it's all about how God has worked throughout history for his people. So yeah, feel free to bring this stuff in, in if you want to. But again, for sake of time, you may not be able to. Um, but yeah, this this chapter is about how God's people trusted him. And more importantly, how God made good on his promises. You can trust this God. You can have confidence and assurance because of his track record. Listen to his track record. Uh, this isn't just blind faith we're talking about. Uh, but, but, but I do want to address blind faith here. Because I think bl blind faith uh, can be viewed differently by different people. For some, I think blind faith, faith without evidence, is um, viewed by some the best because it's most childlike. Others are going to scoff at it, right? Thinking it's too simple for thinking people. Us, you know, college students, we're, we're not, we're above blind faith. But, but blind faith, if we really think back, it's what we had when we were children, right? We trusted our, our parents because of our relationships and not because we were logical, right? We didn't know logic at that point. Childlike faith is an ignorant faith. It's just a faith that's primarily relational. And I think, I think that kind of faith is a good start, it just shouldn't be the end, right? We need to marry these two. We need to marry a uh, faith that's relational, but then we also need to think through, why do we do this? Um, some other questions you could ask, do you see faith as mental or relational uh, or some mix of the two? Is it harder for you to believe in God's existence or trust that he will deliver on his promises? Uh, another question, uh, scripture says that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Are you willing to try him out? If yes, let's talk about what that could look like. If no, why don't you feel ready yet? And again, feel free um, to ponder, think, and pray on this verse and come up with your own questions. That's true for any of these. You're more than welcome to, uh, well, I, I guess I should say, ideally, uh, going through this lesson, I, I try and look ahead at it every time I'm studying with a new person and think through, are there passages I need to hit on? Are there questions I need to hit on just for this person? Some people you may not need to dig into every single question uh, I'm, I'm pointing out because they're already doing great with it. But some people you're going to need to dig in on special, specific verses. That's okay. So moving on, we're going to go to Romans 1 verse 17. And this says, For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith uh, from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So some context leading up to this, Paul's writing to the church in Rome, and this is part of his introduction. He's talking about the e his eagerness to preach to them. He shares about the power of the gospel, how it brings salvation. And then he says this, for the gospel, uh, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. 
So Paul is making this point that faith isn't an idea or a feeling or a way of life. Uh, yeah, this word gr- uh, faith it. In the Greek, it's pistis, uh, and it doesn't mean just mental assent, kind of similar to what we were talking about in the last one. Uh, it has this trust, this relational aspect. You live it out. That's what Paul's getting at here. So you could ask someone like, what does it mean to live by faith? And and there'll be some overlap in some of these questions, what came before. Um, that's okay. You just need to think through what questions do I want to ask where and when. Uh, but then you can ask, what does it mean to look live by faith? What would that look like? What gets in the way of you living by faith? Sometimes you're going to need to dig and go deeper with some of these questions. Uh, another thing, I, I can kind of give lip service, but if I'm always on my guard around someone, do I really trust you, right? And, and this is something you could ask. Like if, if we're always second guessing God, do we really trust him? If every single day we have to, you know, question him and think, do I really believe in this guy? Um, Then this may be the area and you may need to pray about this. Lord, I'm not sure if I'm if I trust you Um, and that's okay. You know, giving helping people identify where the issue is between them and God and then inviting them to go to him to talk about it, right? That's what we're trying to get people to do, to come to him with with their hangups and and pray honest prayers. So yeah, you can ask a question like, which areas do you still struggle to trust God in? Um, And another thing you can do here is connect this to the gospel, right? Paul says elsewhere uh, that our righteousness comes from faith, not from works, so that no men may boast. Uh, You you know, you could hit on, you could add questions about... um, uh, you know, rather than doing an extra thing, really what this is about is letting go and letting God, right? Living by, I, I really do think that living by faith, living obediently is really about surrendering to God, right? Letting his will be done rather than our wills be done. It's about surrender at the end of the day, trusting him and putting uh, what he advises against what we would advise ourselves. Cool. So moving on, we've got James 2, 14 through 17. And James writes, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. And James is not so much trying to advocate works-based salvation rather than, uh, you know, really what he's trying to get at is redefining what true faith is for his audience. Perhaps they were having the same problems today um, that we have about uh, mental focus or Uh, mental ascent rather than relationship. Maybe they were seeing faith in God as simply a mental act and not a relationship that grows. Um, So so you might ask, yeah, so what is this relationship between uh, our deeds and and faith? What does this look like? Um, I think, yeah, they're inseparable, right? Going back to some of these analogies I was looking at. Right? If I really believe in recycling, 
in the biblical sense, it should change me. It should change the way that I live. Another analogy, you know, if I told you that there was a bomb in the room um, and you said, yep, that's great, cool, got it, I believe you, and you just sat there, right? That's not biblical faith. But if you left, you know, we can get down, what saved you, the belief or the action? They're inseparable. It was by faith, yes, uh, but the faith had it, had an effect. I think something important about the example he uses here is that faith is about relationships, first with God, then played out in how we treat others. And so, yeah, you can ask in this, based on this passage, are you dead or alive in your faith? All right, going on to John 14, uh, verse 23, it reads, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So here he's connecting obedience to relating with him. Um, love, again, love and obedience be intertwined. So yeah, you could ask question, what is Jesus saying about relating to him and the Father? You know, you point out we, we relate healthily through obedience. We can claim all sorts of relationships, but it's only a healthy relationship with God when it's based on obedience. You know, uh, I, I, I can't say that I have a great relationship with my parents, but and yet be rebellious in their eyes. So, yeah, maybe another question. Does God, you know, do you think God views you as a faithful or rebellious child? Why or why not? And you may even need to dig in that because they may say, I'm a rebellious child, but let's let's dig in because sometimes we are way too harsh on ourselves. And we do need to recognize that uh, I, I think ultimately God does view us as he loves us um, even when we're not faithful. So there, there's nuance there in that. It's, you know, um, moving on, next thing could say Jesus makes it clear um, that to have him in the Father, we must obey his teaching specifically. So, yeah, you might ask, like, so how, how much of Jesus' teaching are you familiar with? Um, Jesus says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Do, do you know Jesus' teaching? I can't obey something I don't really know. This might be a great time and a place to encourage someone to read a gospel or to really dig into the scriptures, right? I think this is foundational. Um, this is, you know, our, the scriptures are such a clear way to knowing and understanding the heart of God, to knowing and understanding how we're supposed to live in this world as disciples of Jesus. But if we have no idea what these words even say, uh, we're starting off pretty far back, right? At quite a disadvantage. So I really would dig into here. Yeah, do you know Jesus words how can we what would it look like for you this year to decide uh, to change that to invest in your life all right next one we've got first john 4 verses 19 through 21 and it says we love because he first loved us 
Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brothers and sister. It's a good one. Jesus really raises the bar on love here, right? We love because Jesus demonstrated it first. He first loved us. If you claim to love God but hate someone, you are a liar. I think it's really easy to convince ourselves that we're loving until we're face to face with people we dislike, right? And yeah, this is what Paul's saying. Uh, Paul? Not Paul, John. <laughs> this is what John is saying. Uh, you can't separate Christian maturity uh, from how we treat people. I've met lots of college students who thought they were very mature uh, because they knew a couple big words, but ultimately the fruit of their life and their love for others didn't match up with what scripture is teaching, right? Knowing novel things about scripture doesn't make you mature. It's about looking like Jesus. That's the standard. So I might ask them like, why can't we separate love for others and love for God? Why can't these be separated? Then a further question, so how did Jesus love people? Let's just make a list. You know, you can sit there and list them off. From your knowledge of scripture, where do you see Jesus loving people? And go into that. And if, and if it's a short list, you can add the things that come to your mind, right? Him washing his disciples' feet, him uh, reaching out to the, the leper and, uh, you know, all sort, you know, the woman at the well, all these times that he healed people, these times that he made time for people. It's countless as we look through scripture. You know, greater love has no love, or love has no greater than this that he laid down his life for his friends. Um, this is what Jesus did. Ultimately, yeah, it all crescendos in this this final act of Jesus on the cross. Another question you might ask is: Is that kind of love for others present in your life? And then another: Does Jesus motivate you to love others? Why or why not? Another one, who do you have a hard time loving? Who do you have a hard time liking? Might be a good follow-up question. Okay, loving, but what about liking? Who do you dislike? Uh, what attitudes uh, towards people might God want you to change in light of this verse? Another question, is there anyone you need to forgive or seek forgiveness from? Or is there something you may just need to get over here? So again, lots of questions. Uh, feel free to think through what do I actually want to ask. And then finally, uh, this box six here um, is a little question. Is there someone in your life that's hard for you to love? What groups of people? Uh, think about other races, political parties, people who do evil, etc. Getting them to identify yeah, this is not of Jesus. <laughs> Having hatred in your heart towards people that he loves and died for is not honoring to him. And then finally, yeah, we've got the question at the bottom based on the scriptures we read. What do you think the Bible means uh, when it says saved by faith, getting into that good stuff? Uh, and then finally, yeah, I would encourage them to go through the taking stock part. All right. Thanks, guys. See you in the next lesson.